Hello, Matt here. Just apologising for my terrible audio. I sound like I'm in a toilet, mainly because I didn't realise until we'd finished the show that my microphone was on the top of my head. Brilliant. Anyway, enjoy the show. Parker on the drive, nearly lost it, still dribbling. Parker with two to shoot. Just gets it off in time, and he banks it in! What a shot from Parker! Gets off his feet and puts San Antonio up four. Now they'll review it to make sure that Parker got it off before the shot clock expired. It was very, very close. You made me go back to that play. Uh, I mean, Tony did everything wrong and did did everything right in the same possession. Uh, I mean, he stumbled two or three times. He fell fell over, and uh, you know, when he fell over, I was like, okay, well, I'm about to try to tie this ball up. And he got up and went under my arm. I got a great contest, and he even double pumped it and uh, barely got it off. I mean, that was the longest 24 seconds that I've been a part of. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. Game one of the NBA Finals is in the books, and uh, San Antonio shocked the world to uh, take the first game in the American Airlines Arena. We're here to give you some coverage, some analysis, and talk you through the game's talking points. Uh, today, I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Matt Smash. Hello. You're back in the hot seat. Yeah, it's uh, becoming a bit of a reg- reg- regular thing, isn't it? Hashtag shout out to Frankie. Yeah. A shout shout <laughs> out to Tom. Shout out to Tom Reader, believe the hype. And uh, joined by, as usual, Matthew Bates, who just released a good post on the uh, Huffington Post on Kawhi Lens, so check that out. Yeah. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Game one, one down. Let's have six more. <laughs> yeah, that's the theme of today's show. We're going to talk about game one. Um, so let's just have some instant reaction. What was the uh, thing for you guys which really saw the Spurs win? What, what carried them over the edge? Because it was a, it was a close game for a lot, a lot lot of the game, and the Spurs just executed better in the end. So what what was the uh, main factors for you guys? Well, there's been a lot of talk on uh, how the Heat lost this game, but really the focus should be on how the Spurs won this game by one man. Really, as you said, Frankie, early on Twitter, Paul, Tony Parker, the point guard, mm, definitely. Get, obviously, the biggest highlight of the game is his. Amazing, amazingly tricky game winner with a nice floater in the lane over LeBron and Chris Bosch and pretty much the whole Heat team. It's Chris Bosch's fault they lost the game. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I'm putting it out there. It's definitely, um, he had that wide open three to sort of, like, was it to tie or something towards yeah. the end? And he completely bottled it. I think. <laughs> and they zoomed in on him afterwards as he was walking to the bench and there was several expletives <laughs> in, his, in his lip reading. Did he not do his dino scream, which he <laughs> Bosch face, Bosch face, Bosch face. And the thing is with LeBron, I mean, I'll come on to LeBron straight away because I've seen a bit of criticism for him, but remember this man, did he, he dropped the triple-double. And the thing is, he he's, he got into the lane at will, but the thing is, they, they packed the paint, I suppose. I thought they'd done a very good job. They they played a lot of zone as well, and they they let this they let um, LeBron kick out. They let the perimeter shooters have wide open threes, and they just weren't locking them down. They were like six six for seventeen or something. I want to say, and the only player really that looked like a threat from outside was Ray Allen. He was the only one that was um, consistently hitting them. And at the end of the day, we saw that, especially that one at the end with Chris Bosh, and even I think uh, about two minutes ago in the game as well, we had Mario Chalmers. He threw one up, and it hit the side of the uh, backboard. At the end of the day, I, I just can't see Miami shooting that poorly again from the perimeter. And one, them open shots, once they start going down, I think it'll be interesting to see how Pop does moves the defence. Well, yeah, they clogged the, clogged the paint. 
it's mm. extremely well. Uh, but not only did they clog the paint, they also they also kept sh- made sure that they were close to very dangerous shooters like Ray Allen. He may have hit quite a few shots, and Miller was taking quite a few, and as you said, Chalmers. But majority of them were contested. They mm. weren't all wide open, which yeah, which they which comes through when they play the zone or when they clog the paint. As I said, well, that's got to make Chris Bosh more the Chris Bosh miss more prevalent, surely, because it was one of the few wide open efforts that he missed it. Yeah, the Spurs also made LeBron into a passer. Not as many, didn't put up as many shots, especially in the fourth quarter, only scoring six points. Uh, yeah, as I said, triple double, ten assists, but could have been a bit more aggressive getting to the free throw line, especially on that last play with Bosch, where Bosch again, wide open three, missed it, but it would have been nice to see LeBron take it to the rim, try and get fouled, go to the line, or at least just take one more step and maybe get uh, a cut in big man to the post to get an easy score instead of taking the three. Because all in all, you want LeBron mm. going to the rack more than Bosch taking a three. And that's the thing. If he goes to the free throw line, it stops the clock as well. And in that situation, they didn't have a lot of time left. So I just think LeBron there, he's been he's been accused of it in the past, but was he being a little too passive? I don't know. Yeah, there were probably there were some messy players in those sort of final sort of two minutes. I mean, the uh, there was a foul from one of the Spurs players on Ray Allen. I mean, that could have cost them huge if the game had oh, turned yeah. out differently. Um, obviously, yeah. Obviously, the Chris Bosh miss. I mean, LeBron could have gone all the way there. I mean, even if he'd have been fouled, you're better off doing that than hoisting up a three. And Chris Bosh hadn't been hadn't been too hot all night, really. It, it was just not his night. And in terms of three point shooting, it wasn't really anyone's night apart from Ray Allen, who had three from four. But I don't know. It's it's a real awkward match. I mean, I think we're over. We're, cutting over a big part of the game here I mean the first three and a half quarters at least Miami were sort of controlling the tempo of the game it was all them they were feeding off that home crowd but the Spurs hung in there which is what we expected them to do and, and toward, I think there was five minutes to go or something and they eventually took the lead and they blew it up to a little to like five five points I think it was after a big three and um, it sort of all changed and hinged around that and then we had sort of a, a frantic final two minutes with all the uh, messy players that I mentioned a minute ago. And Tony Parker just pulled off a, a, a miracle. And I think you mentioned it a minute ago was the uh, the foul on, was it Tim Duncan? Oh, yeah. For, yeah. It was called on LeBron James. I mean, LeBron's reaction was hilarious. He, he did sort of this weird pouting thing. At the ref. <laughs> Not that that's going to change the mind, mate, but it was amusing to say the least. And, it, it was a it was a close game. I mean, right up until the final few seconds, it was only that crazy Tony Parker heave that, that you know really sealed it for them. Yeah, and it, I think I just hope this is a theme for the rest of the finals because it was a really good matchup. And I know the Spurs narrative of they're in San Antonio; it's not exactly <laughs> in New York, but they're they're a fun team to watch on on the basketball court. If we're talking X's and O's, they they move the ball quickly. They 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 play lovely pick and roll. Yeah. They hit down threes. Their ball movement's probably the best in the league, should we say? And I think that came through as well. And what I liked about this game is Manu Ginobili. He's not been his best this postseason, but when he, he had one. <laughs> when he gets to the rim, he's such a crafty finisher. And I, I, he didn't make many points, but you can just tell he's also always got that. He's always got that bit of magic in him, and he, he not only can he take to the rim, but some of the passes he pulls off are just incredible. <laughs> And he, he could be a difference in this series because when you look at it, we know about Tony Parker. He runs the pick and roll the best in the NBA. And I, I said this before, but he should have made an NBA first team. I don't know 
Fully agree. Fully agree. Fully agree. And he, he's been quite underrated for a few years now, ever since really winning the title. But I, I said he'd go off on one. He had 13 points off 29 yeah. minutes, which he, it isn't too isn't too bad for a bench player. I mean, it was it was nice to see because he's had you know obviously a lot of the Spurs players have had the injury issues this season, but it was a a real a real great game to watch as a fan. I mean, we mentioned um, the tempo of the game. That was the thing. I mean, I think during the first quarter, Popovich called the timeout because Miami looked like they were going to burst away using that speed that they have on the fast break. But, you know, Pop saw that, called the timeout. And then from then on, it was all grit and grind, lots of rebounds. I mean, it, it was a it was a physical game and there wasn't a lot of up and down the court fast breaking. But that's that's what the Spurs want because obviously they are veteran and they are quite old compared to the LeBron, the, 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 sorry, the Miami Heat team, so they, they wanted to slow it down, and it worked out to their favour. Yeah. And, and they they execute so well in the half court set, so that's really what they, yeah. they want. And Tim Duncan, I mean, he didn't have the most um, efficient night of his career, but he proved what a classy man he is in that. Some of his in, shots in the paint, he's just he's classy. And I, I tweeted it last night before the game. That I, I, there's no argument in this for me because he is the best player of his generation, and I don't. You can throw Kobe, you can throw Garnett. I think Tim Duncan is greater than all of them. Well, well I can't believe what we haven't already <laughs> what we haven't already said uh, or mentioned was the fact that the Spurs only had four turnovers in the whole game, which is yeah, I think is it the could, lowest yeah. lowest ever, especially uh, especially against Miami, who who pressure the ball so well. Yeah, yeah. So. And Tony Parker again, obviously cementing himself with having a great game. No turnovers, not one. <laughs> to say that he's got the ball so to say that he's got the ball so much in his hands all the time, as you said, running the pick and roll. You, you're bound to at least get one turnover running the pick and roll because it, it's the most popular play in the NBA. You always think that teams are going to be able to come by it on defense, but as I said, no, no turnovers for Parker. And it was just absolutely unbelievable game for him on, in that standpoint as running, running the team, getting them into sets. And one thing that's scary about the Spurs, I'm sure Andy will love this, who's obviously not here today, but obviously a massive Spurs fan. They were playing Spurs basketball on the offense. They had mm. so many open threes, so many plays that was correct. Getting Quan, getting Leonard open in the corner. I know he was missing them, but if they dropped down, this game could have been a 10, 15 point, 15 point win for the Spurs. Danny Green missed a few, but as I said, once again, Tony Parker orchestrating the offense and getting open shots and good shots for the Spurs. Yeah, and I, what I like about Parker as well. It's that, you know that pick and roll he runs? He can run it with anyone, really. Split, splitter or, um, Duncan. Splitter is another player I thought was very solid. Especially that nice post movie done on LeBron, uh, in the fourth quarter. But when Tony Parker runs that pick and roll, he, when he goes to the left and he pulls up for that lovely jumper, he's in a world of space. There's just no combat in it. No. Because Duncan's always going to set a good screen. He's Tim Duncan. The and best, then, if anything. The best screens. Yeah, and Tiago Splitter's an underrated screener as well. And. Not Skip Bayless. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And but Tony Parker always finds himself in space, in a, just just beside the key. And oh, he he hits that mid-range jumper like no one else can. And it, it's just Tony Parker is executing brilliantly. You said no turnovers for a point guard. That is that's incredible. I mean, we're big fans of Drew Holiday, but even we'd admit he was a bit turnover prone this year. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, there were the turnovers as well. One of those four turnovers came like on the first play, and it looked like you know that was what Miami were feeding off. And I think they sort of realised then, you know, we've got to look after the ball against these guys because they, they will outrun us. But just going back to what you mentioned about Parker and Duncan, 
throughout the game, they switched to just basically a two-man game. They just played with themselves, and Miami didn't really know what to do then because they were too busy focusing on everyone else, fearing that you know Green and Leonard and whoever else was on the court at that time were going to hit wide-open shots. But like, I, think, I think the biggest point was towards the end of the second quarter when it was, what, 0.2 left on the clock? 0.8, yeah. Yeah, 0.8 or whatever it was, and they inbounded it and Duncan put up that shot to, yeah. to cut the lead. I mean, that was massive. Under, there's no way we could realise how big that was at that point in time, but that really cut the lead and it sort of gave you know, the Spurs that, that momentum going into the third quarter and they, they just kept it close. It was just a, literally a dogfight throughout the whole game. I mean, both teams shooting percentages in the sort of low low to mid 40s, the, the three-point percentage for both teams, both around the 30%-ish. Um, three throws kind of cost Miami as well because they hit 70% to, uh, I think, the Spurs 83. So it, it, it cost them in the end. But an unbelievably close game. And if the rest of the series is like this, then I, I think basketball fans in general are just in for a treat because every single quarter in that game was competitive and you don't really get that in basketball often, do you? They don't really have anyone that matches up well with Tim Duncan, I felt, last night. Because Haslam, as much as he's a solid post-defender, he doesn't have the length to trouble Duncan. And Chris Bosh, come on, let's be honest, he's not the toughest man, is he? He can't deal with someone of, of the physical stature of a Duncan, so Bosh usually will go to Splitter, who's not really an offensive threat. Which leaves Duncan to really have his way with Haslam. And then, if he wants to... See, Duncan's just got so many weapons in his arsenal because he can take you down on the low block, give you that lovely spin move, which we saw twice last night, and uh, finish at the rim. He can turn around, hit the fadeaway, or he can screen, and then they can pop it out to him, hit that lovely mid-range jumper. This man is just literally... I'm, I'm gushing here. I'm gushing. Andy would be proud. I think Mario Chalmers for the Miami Heat has got to really step it up because I, I, uh, last night's game, I thought he was probably the poorest player the, the Miami mm. Heat had. He, he didn't look like a... He's on a team that's gone to the finals for three consecutive straight years and they're only the sixth team to ever do so. And he just looked beaten all the time, which is why in the end they, they kept switching and putting LeBron James on Tony Parker, but then you take LeBron James off whoever is in the paint and you leave the paint wide open. Don't you think... Because they're not, they're not a big team. Don't you think that um, Norris Cole, he, he would be a better match for Tony Parker? Because he, he... I think he would. He literally yeah. moves so much quicker. Like I think he, he's such a good on-ball defender. I think that would be a better matchup. He's having a, well, he's having a breakout playoffs as well. He's, there's been a few games where he's been hitting over 20 points, which... Mm. He was great last night. I mean, he yeah. only had five points. He took it. He was two. Post, he, was, didn't he? he was. He was two for four, and he had one three, and he, he only took one three, and he made it. So there was that play where he he got it, and he just took it right to the rim, coast to coast, aggressively. And uh, as much as Mario Chalmers is a solid point guard, he doesn't ever uh, attack the rim. And I don't. I don't get an air of. Security when I, when he's on the court, I don't feel comfortable Charm, when he's. Chalmers, you feel he's going he's going to go somewhere, isn't he, and get overpaid? You, f- you feel he's going to mess up. I mean, anyone who watches college basketball knows he's made game-winning shots in college, yeah. you know, finals and playoffs. Against before, Derek Rose as well, wasn't it? Mm. Indeed, it was, and uh, Justin Timberlake wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I just I saw someone last night, and I've seen it again tonight. Um, they. The Heat was selling these tops, which said uh, Eastern Conference champions. They were like top of the East or something. It's like, why would you buy that top? Let's let's be honest. Why why, <laughs> why would you buy that now? Because 
if you win the championship, that tops are irrelevant, really. You're the champion. Mm-hmm. And then if you lose, you're just reminding yourself that you didn't win the ring. <laughs> well, you know how insignificant yeah, it is when uh, Birdman's accepting the, accepting the trophy. Yeah, exactly. Said, oh. You see, when, the, when they won the championship last year, Mickey Harrison was got his hands right on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's teams in this league that would do anything to have a conference band on it. That's like, um, didn't right, the Clippers, yeah. they sold... Clippers. They, they <laughs> sold T-shirts for the division. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I say that I take I take a division title in Philly, man. Well, yeah, because what? Well, when, when I I, I nearly that. predicted us to win the Atlantic Division this year, but that's a topic for another time. <laughs> so, you don't want to hear my prediction. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say as, as UK as British fans last night, I think we had a treat for once. We had the finals on two sports channels, mm. so you could either watch ESPN's coverage if you were lucky enough to subscribe to to, the, to them, and if you're unlucky, you could watch. Yeah, or you could watch Sky Sports if you if you subscribe to them, and you had a wide sorry a wide a, a wide variety of options on available on League Pass as usual, and it was it was really great because I mean it was a silly time of the morning as it usually is, and it will be for the rest of these finals apart from the uh, slightly earlier tip off on Sunday's game, but it was just nice to see it on so many channels. I mean, you had the choice of Kevin Cadle and the guys over at Sky, or you had. You had Magic Johnson and crew on ESPN. It was it was just nice to see it on multiple channels. I mean, I I feared that when Sky originally got the license, it was just they were just going to get the finals and ESPN wouldn't have any say in it. But if I'm going to get the option for every game to watch it on both, then I'm going ESPN all day. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, why why wouldn't you? Because you just look at that panel uh, on ESPN. What they've got? They've got Magic Johnson, one of the top ten players. Well, I'm going to cut that down to top five players of all. I'm going to cut that down to top two. Well, they well. Okay, uh, calm down. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, you've got Magic Johnson, an arguably a top two player of all time. Uh, you've got Mike uh, Mike Wilborn, a noted journalist for the Chicago uh, Tribune, who's been in the who's been covering the sport for over twenty years. You've got Jalen Rose, who's in arguably the most famous college basketball team of all time. Also, one of the most funniest, great personalities to ever listen to in an hour podcast. And then you've got my favorite. I, I'm going to be gushing because I've already mentioned that I'm a huge fanboy of him. But you've got the yeah, best, sorry, the best <laughs> journalist of basketball at the moment, Bill Simmons. I know he may he, he's not everyone's cup of tea, aka Lakers fans, but he knows what he's going on about. <laughs> and if you're just going to match that All Star lineup to what Sky have got, there's there's no competition. <laughs> Kevin Cadle, I don't even know the others. The thing is, can I also can I also say that girl who did the singing for the Miami Heat, the national anthem? She scared the living hell out of me. <laughs> she's she's got a, a scary female voice for someone that age. And the Miami Heat intros rehearsed, guys, because yeah. that, that dance was quite amusing. Yeah. It also quite count. Uh, I thought the um, you know the uh, Miami Heat when they play that um, seven is it Seven Nation Army song? Yeah, it's so piped in because you can't see anyone jump. You know, like normally when you hear that song, I think yeah. they play it like football. They're playing college basketball quite a lot. Like people were jumping up and down. You can hear them say it. Everyone was sitting down. Everyone, <laughs> everyone was joking because they were like, "Are they going to remix it with Flowrider just to make it just to make it fit in with Miami?" But it was a really amusing game to watch. I mean, even the commentary at some points was fantastic. And I put on because I was up for the first quarter. I managed to and it actually fell asleep for the rest of the game. <laughs> but. Um, they, there was one point where Jeff Van Gundy, uh, like, they're, they're spoiled brats, and I was, just, I couldn't stop laughing because he was like, yeah, the because they were talking about the finals format, and we mentioned it last time, obviously the two three two, and he was like, 
no, it should be 2-2 two, two, and then, you know, 1-1-1, one, 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 yeah. etc. And he was like, are you saying they're small brats? He was like, yes, I am saying they're small brats. They have, you know, however long the flight is, and then they have six hours to do absolutely nothing, and they get pina coladas and all this crap on the plane. It's like they have nothing to complain about. <laughs> hear me out here. I'm just putting a, uh, I'm just putting a theory in here. Uh, you can show it down. But how would you feel if there was British commentators? I know we've got Kevin Cadle in the studio, but how would you feel if we had British commentators over the game? I don't know. Don't if it was people who knew what they were on about, I don't know. I.e. fans, then probably not yeah. yet. I think no. I think when um when the Pistons played the Knicks uh, at the O2 Arena last year, they had British commentators because it was Sky's first game. It didn't work at all. It was. It's just not. It's not as developed over here, and I think. Maybe in five or ten years, when I'm of age, I can I can, I can lead the way. And <laughs> the they don't have they don't have diehard fans to it though. They either get former players or they get someone who's vaguely covered the sport for you know like oh. Sky Sports. They're, they're NBA writers aren't necessarily NBA writers. Yeah. They tend to focus their their football or rugby focus, and then they do NBA as a background thing. Yeah, like um, if you remember the second, I might have been the second game they had on Sky. They didn't have um, Kevin Cadle. They drafted him in like a few weeks later, and um, the guy did not know anything. He was like, uh, "Yeah, you're gonna have to explain that to me because I openly don't know anything." It's like, why would you employ someone that doesn't know anything about the sport? And that's the that's, he should stick to the NFL. But don't you think if we did have British commentators, I'm not again, I'm not for it. But if we had British commentators who could make it for an for the casual fan or a fan trying to get into the game that doesn't know that much about the sport, if they if the British commentary team could have a a commentary team that are trying to break down everything from a pick and roll to a th- the difference between a two pointer and a three pointer. Personally, I know I wouldn't listen to it. But I'm sure there are some people out yeah, there that can benefit yeah. from it. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I think there will, there will be some people who can benefit it from it. But if let's think about it, if you're watching these games live at two in the morning, you're probably a bit of a diehard NBA fan. You're not necessarily. Yeah, maybe save that for like the odd... Sunday showcase, just like you know where they have it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or give it an option, a red button option, yeah, where yeah. you can have English. You know, people breaking down the the plays and the, the teams and the franchise histories, etc., would be good. I mean, when me and Andy first started this last year in July, obviously the uh, the Olympics came up, and we mentioned it then because John Anamichi and the other guys were all commentating on the Olympic Games, and we were like, we can't watch it because we're so used to NBA coverage and we're so used to you know Marv Albert and all those guys going back and forth at each other because they laugh and joke, they don't take it seriously a lot of the time, and that's what we find so fantastic. And they're the players who who do the commentary are often quite incredibly intelligent because they've been, you know, these guys have been through college and whatnot. I mean, you look at players in the NFL, some of the players in the NFL are like heart surgeons and things like that. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And over here, you don't necessarily get that with former players covering sports. Right. Gary Neville. The thing is, Gary Neville does a really good job. I, I, he does, but when he first started, everyone was like, oh God, get him off the screen. That's the thing about Jake, you know, they're uh, Sky Sports for football coverage. They're going to have, Jamie Carragher in the studio and yeah. I'm not being fun I don't want to be disrespectful to any little Pudlians we have listening but his accent is rather strong and <laughs> I don't know how well he's going to translate to telly but that, that, I guess that's a that's for another time and just I think we'd do a good job I think we would and we should we should pitch it to the uh... I'll try and live cover a game via Skype that would be interesting <laughs> yeah, I, know I, know, I know I don't know much about football but I know why Gary Neville was wanted off the screen and that's got to be because of his looks not what he's saying <laughs> get, get. I, I like Gary Neville and I've said that a lot but we must move on just for the way from the finals for a bit we'll go back to uh, preview game two in a minute but 
Just want to get your reactions on the uh, news that the Denver Nuggets, after uh, letting their GM walk, who won Executive of the Year, have decided to let George Cargo, who won Coach of the Year. It's fair to say it's not been a very good few weeks in Denver. What what do you see good coming out of this for the for the Nuggets, and where do you see George Carl ending up? Well, it's a big change, as uh, obviously, but I don't. I think they're going to have to take a step back. I think. I think they progressed so well this year. That's just speed, but I can't really see them increasing about what or getting better from what they did. And a record standpoint, from they've lost Gallinari for we don't know. I think it's January that he's coming back. Now yeah, he's not even had his he, surgery. He hasn't yet. had surgery yet. Yeah. They had a very, they had the GM of the year, which obviously is something, and then the coach of the year. And they've been, and George Carl's been there for seven, is it seven years now? Before he went, it was around yeah, seven, it was around seven years. So it's going to be a drastic change when he leaves. But yeah, Iguodala's a free agent this year. I know he said that he's going to go back. I, I, I don't know. I don't 100% know, but yeah, he's a free agent. And if he goes, then that's another piece that they've lost. I do like the Denver Nuggets, but they've got such a, they had such a style with Carl. It's going to be hard for them to adjust with, uh, no matter who comes into the, the seat, the hot seat this season. It's the classic coaching roulette thing. You get it in every sport. I mean, we get it over here in football, like, you know, Mourinho's just come back to Chelsea and you, you get the same or the similar sort of thing over in the NBA. And people were getting involved in this on Twitter, actually. I've just, just quickly typed in our, our hashtag NBA in the UK and Joe, who writes for us, he said, I find George Carl overrated, so you guys could uh, argue against that. He says Rick Adelman is a better coach and gets way less credit. <laughs> um, and, then, and then about a couple of minutes later, I believe Andy also tweeted, and he said, I hope George Carl gets snapped up quickly. He is a class act. No idea what Denver are doing getting rid of him. So it's just one of those you know, topics that people are uh, mixed interest on. I think the way they've played over the last sort of six or five to six seasons has really shown that they are more than a capable team since like they had the mellow train and things like that because everyone just assumed they'd be down at dumps but they got some nice pieces back from the New York Knicks for that and they've expanded and now they've they've and especially the last sort of year and a bit they've managed to secure themselves a, a superstar in um, Andre Iguodala as much as you may disagree no, but they've they've, they've put themselves <laughs> <laughs> I've got two sixes fans disagreeing here people <laughs> But um, it's, it's definitely one of those awkward things that we just don't like seeing in the sport. I don't think he deserved to lose his job at all. I don't think he'll have to. I don't think he'll have to wait long to get an employer. He won't have to try very hard to get. No, job yeah, and I just think going back to Andre Iguodala, I think he suited George Carl's offense down to a T, and I think it's hard for him now because I can't see him. Other than the team, I mean, when when I'm not going to be disrespectful to Colorado, to the Colorado, but. You don't. There's not that many reasons to stay in Denver. Like, I think there's going to be other suitors to Iguodala that will pay him more money and will give him a better chance to win a championship. And whether that be maybe the Clippers or something, I know Donald Sterling famously poor, but if if, if the Clippers could maybe team a team a Iguodala with a, they could they could move a Caron Butler, then they could have a Chris Paul and a. There's rumours of them getting a follow and an Iguodala and a Blake Griffin. I really like their chances there. And there's rumours of George Carl even going to the Clippers. So I think oh, yeah. the, what I want to say about the Nuggets is they finished third in the Eastern Conference. They finished third, no, Western Conference. They finished third. Do you know how tough that is? And the coaches from the third, <laughs> the fourth and the fifth team have all gone. Well, well we think Lionel Hollins is gone. Yeah. Well, he's a classic, George Carl's a classic, great, uh, 
great regular season coach and doesn't really perform that well in the in the playoffs. Even the time that they went into the second round, the Denver Nuggets in the last since he's been a tenure there, he he wasn't even on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think you you've got to look at the the, the Danilo Gallinari injury because he yeah. and they ran up against the Golden State team that. We said before. We said that before the playoffs, they can either shoot you into a series or shoot you out. And they they certainly shot them in, and and they shot themselves out in the next round. <laughs> yeah, and it, the thing is, there's so many coaching coaching jobs and high profile coaches, and you've got people like Lionel Hollins that is is pretty much guaranteed a job wherever that be next year, whether that be the Clippers or Denver. You've got uh, Brian Shaw guaranteed a job wherever he goes, and I. I hate to say it, but it's not going to be in Philly. Vinny Del Negro, who's on the lookout for another job after he took the Clippers to a he took he took the Clippers to their best ever like season. So, I mean, I think it's just interesting to see where each coach is going to line up and which franchise decides to go. Yeah, we'll take a new coach, or they'll say, "All right, we'll, we'll go with a trusted head like um, like the Bucks did." And we we openly criticised the Bucks for doing so on our podcast. So, I mean. The, the latest rumor I've I've seen thrown around, which it's on the subject of coaching vacancies. We we'll talk about it more tomorrow on the uh, say the franchise. But the the Miami Heat assistant coach Danny Fisdale is thought to be heavily heavily interested in uh, the Sixers job. So I think that's a that's a theme at the moment is getting the assistant in because they have that new fresh outlook on things. Yeah. Just one thing. One thing going back to George Carl and Denver Nuggets is his style of play. Suited the Denver Nuggets so well. He was a running. He loved the fast break. He loved the fa- fast-paced offense. And when you're in that high altitude in Denver, it's your advantage. Mm-hmm. So, um, for the Nuggets, really, they're gonna. I think they should stick to that. Stick to that style of play because they have got the fast guards like Ty Lawson and even like some of their forwards are athletic, like Javale McGee as well, and obviously the Manimal. I think Matt, you'd like this. Uh, Matt Smash, you'd like this. Don't you think? This roster would suit Mike D'Antoni to a, to a, to a T, and because yep. I, I I don't know about you, I I can't see Mike D'Antoni lasting in LA too long. No, I don't think he'll. So last I, in think, LA too I think long. I think you I Everyone, think pull the plug. I think you pull the plug, and D'Antoni I think would do very well with this offense. I think I think it's. I, th- I think I think we well we've just obviously the state of the franchise we've already done the Lakers, but I think you pull the plug on D'Antoni. Um, He's one of the main reasons Dwight Howard doesn't want to stay in Los Angeles. And if you bring in someone like maybe George Carl or someone along those lines, Dwight Howard might be a little more suited to that and might be more happy with that. And there was an interesting article up on, um, uh, I think it was Laker Nation earlier on today, about the Dwight Howard situation. Because obviously at the moment the rumours are he's off to Houston. But we were expecting all kinds of rumours throughout the offseason, so it's not really a surprise. And... D'Antoni is one of the big reasons. So if he did ship off, maybe someone else coming in, George Carl or whoever would, you know, it would it would change his mindset. And if Dwight Howard does leave the Lakers, it puts them financially and economically in a, in a sticky situation because they lose such a big money grabber for that team. And obviously Kobe has not got too long left in this league, especially after his Achilles injury. It puts the the, the future of the Lakers franchise in economic terms in some sort of serious jeopardy unless they can bring in you know LeBron James in the up and coming free agency or something like that but it's all dependent on where these players want to play because it's player power nowadays and we've seen that with Miami I think that and with the Knicks I think that's um, I think with the Lakers I mean we'll talk about it for a bit because we 
we've we've got a, a, we've only got one game to cover in the show, but with the Lakers, I think a lot of it rides on the power struggle between Jim and Genie Bus. And I, yeah. I think if Genie yeah. Bus, which I think should happen, I think Genie Bus should take control, and once she does that, she'll probably, I think, bring Phil Jackson over as um, as kind of the uh, basketball operations kind of man, which he wants the job, and then and then you look and. Who's the man that's going to take over? There's only one man. It's Brian Shaw. And once yeah. once Brian Shaw's in with Phil Jackson over him, you've got the triangle offense. You've got Dwight Howard in there. I think that that situation just makes too much sense for me not to happen. Yeah, that, well, that's when they've been their most successful is running that triangle and offense. And Brian, Brian Shaw runs it perfectly. We're here with yeah, you looked 2008 through to 2010. That's when, especially recently, the Lakers have been the most most successful franchise in the league. Haven't they got the perfect offense offense for the tri- triangle offense at the moment? Yeah, which is Pretty ridiculous. Much. I don't want to plug it, but I am reading Phil Jackson's book, and from the way that he's just, <laughs> from the way that he is describing the tri- triangle offense, it just sounds perfect with a Nash, Kobe, Kobe. Mm. Dwight Howard triangle. Yeah, and but, yeah, it is. It's just, it's just players have so much power in this league now, and it's the same in all sports that they just want to play where. Either they're going to get the most money. There's no sense of loyalty in a lot of sports nowadays, and it's something that we've really lost in sort of the last 20 years. I mean, even in something like to relate it back to British sports, like you know, football players going Van from left, yeah, teams left, right, and centre. I mean, you're an Arsenal fan, you know how it feels to lose your best player. It's just every single year. Yeah, it messes you up, and you don't get sort of league loyalty and team loyalty unless it's a lower league team nowadays. I mean, there's players at like Norwich who've been there forever, <laughs> but if you're in one of the big markets or in this country, like if you're at Manchester United or Arsenal or something like that, you don't mind switching places. Everton losing Wayne Rooney years ago. It's just, it, it's such a mess the way players think about their uh, teams nowadays. There's no sense that they grow up, I don't know, like LeBron got growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, playing for the Cavs, being selected number one pick and then dumping them in the bin seven years later. It's just... Uh, it's it's awkward. Everyone wants to play in New York and Los Angeles and Miami, and you know they don't want to play in Cleveland, North Toronto. It's these other fantastic cities that have got franchises with you know big fan bases. I'll put this to you, uh, backing up Dwight Howard for a minute. Would you rather? I know we said the triangle's good with uh, Nash, who's thirty nine, and Kobe, who's thirty four. Or would you rather play with James Harden, Chandler Parsons, Jeremy Lin, Omer Sheik? It's no, no doubt that at the moment I personally think that Houston is the best place for him. They're even cleaning up the cap room and shopping Thomas Robinson to get him. <laughs> mm. it, I tell you what, there's it, another tangent. We've we, we got tangents today. We've got tangents on tangents. And um, do you think landing Dwight Howard puts them as a top three team in the West? Yes. No. It, it depends how, Dwight Howard, how, how healthy Dwight Howard is. If Dwight Howard played like he did this year, then no. But if Dwight Howard plays, yeah. plays, well, obviously if he played like he did when he took Orlando to the finals, then yes, it's lights out. But it all it's all on dependent on that. And you've also got Dwight Howard going from big pond back to small pond, like in Orlando. But this time he's not the big fish. James Harden's already there. He's established himself this season. If he goes to that team, yeah, fair enough. He partners himself with a young superstar. But whether or not those two can Coactively get along is, is a different question. You look at the problem they they had the last several the last few seasons over in Oklahoma between Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. 
frequently falling out. And this season, everyone's turned their head and changed their mind. And, you know, Kevin Durant's now the guy who's messing the chemistry up. And in Russell Westbrook's the guy they missed. And we, sh- we saw that in this year's playoffs because this season has been dominated by injuries, like we've said on countless podcasts before. And it'll be, it's just an, inter- it's an interesting scenario. I mean, I still think Thomas Robinson's got a lot to give to whoever team he goes to. But if Houston want to clear that up, then yeah, go there. They're, they've got a fantastic fan, you know, fantastic franchise, great fan base, great city, and they've got history, which is one of the things that Dwight seems to be drawn towards. Which is one of the things why he, he ended up leaving Orlando at the end is they haven't got a hugely great history in terms of their basketball profitability, and also in terms of competitive balance uh, and the media market problem that the CBA are trying to cover up. It would be so much more beneficial for the league for for Dwight Howard in terms of. Yeah competitive balance for him to play in Houston then to play in a team like New, uh, Brooklyn or LA because as you said they've got established history they've already got a well maybe not the Nets but they've already got a foundation of fans that no matter where you are in the world they will automatically be loads yeah. of Lakers fans and I guess New York the Nets I don't know about you but in England at the moment I guess because it's a cool new franchise and that there's a lot of people walking around with Brooklyn Nets tops vests caps yeah, they're just following Jay Z. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've, I, I've actually got a Brooklyn T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You're not an idiot. No, I like you can, it. Na- you can name the t- you can name the starting lineup. You're not an idiot. Probably name the bench as well. But <laughs> me naming the Brooklyn Nets bench is for another time. And um, before we uh, disperse, we'll just talk about Game Two in Miami. What do the Heat need to do differently in, if they're going to win the game? LeBron James needs to play properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs to be more aggressive. And more aggressive going to the rim, really. And just going back to game one, Dwayne Wade had no points in the in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I don't know about you, but two or three years ago, you would not, you wouldn't believe that that Dw- uh, Dwayne Wade I... wouldn't have had a, a a single point in the fourth quarter of a finals game. Yeah, I even I actually noted on my uh, iPad that. When they were introducing the starting five, I mean, Dwayne Wade still got the biggest cheer out of everyone. So you can see where the uh, Miami faithful sort of lean towards with regards to their their player fandom. But um, Dwayne Wade looked like he was back on form, especially during the first half. Everyone was like, you know, he's back. But you can't go quiet in the fourth quarter. And Dwayne Wade's been known as a fourth quarter player throughout his whole career. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I remember that crazy game in Chicago before the big three where. It was just back and forth, back and forth, and he won the game in the end by like heaving up half court shot in overtime. It was just mental, and he's got the ability to carry a team, and he he needs to step up. If if the rumours are true that LeBron James has come out and you know denounced these those two and said they need to play better, like um, Matt said in his article on doubleclutch.wordpress.com, um, then they need to they need to sort it out, and they need to lose his utilize his other players. Give it, try it. I mean, stick Norris Cole in the starting lineup, or you know, mix it up with Ray Allen, or just just do something to mess with the rhythm of this San Antonio Spurs team because they they seem to have Miami's number at the moment. Mm, Game two twos are always fun to watch because there's so many adjustments that's going to happen, yeah. especially mm. with Greg Popovich, who is the best coach in the NBA, and and Eric Spolster, who is in the, who is up there. He's, I think he's the second longest tenured coach now with all these firings after Greg Popovich in the league but yeah there's going to be so many adjustments it's going to be a completely different game from it, what it was last night no you're right and it's always interesting to see in a series they always say don't they uh, a series hasn't started until the um, away team wins 
So the series has started with game one, so that's just brilliant news for us. And Miami Heat are going to come out firing, and I don't have an exam on Monday morning, so I can watch it all live. <laughs> and um, I, I'm really looking forward to it again. And that Miami crowd, I mean, we criticise it because sometimes they don't turn up at the start of the game. But once they do get firing, they can be loud. And I mean, especially in the finals last year, they were pretty loud. So, I mean, they'll, they'll need to get right behind the team. And would you, you just hope that LeBron gets a bit of help because it's, it's turning into a bit of a Cleveland show, the Cleveland show, to put it to put it out there because no one around him is really doing anything. And he, he had to, because they, they clogged the paint, he had to go out and kind of be the point guard. But he got no one else around him hitting shots and it's just... I, I do feel for the guy sometimes. But that's the nature of the game, and that's the nature of the Miami Heat team we saw in the finals last year. I mean, they can go off on one where they want to. Mike, no one was expecting that game from Mike Miller in the uh, final game of last year's finals. It's just, it's unexpected, and you can be feeling it one night and not feeling it the next. Who knows, something might have happened in their personal life that was bugging them or something, so they've had a dodgy game. But Greg Popovich isn't just going to let LeBron James beat the Spurs in the rim without him sort of, you know, really having to earn it. And I think LeBron James has got a to call in the phrase that everyone's using at the moment, return to his Cleveland days. And he's got to be greedy at times, and he's just got to hope the players around him, you know, do enough to support him and back back him up when, when he does make mistakes. And if it's, there's one thing we've learned about this Miami Heat team is that... Um, they're all capable of having huge lights, every single one of them. They, when their backs are against the wall, they come out. I mean, we took yeah. Game 7 um, against the Pacers. I'm talking Game 6 against... 6 Celtic. against Boston. Yep. Game one last game yep. one last year in the finals. Yep, exactly. And they they come out and they they prove the critics wrong. So I expect them to do it again. I think we're going to go one all going back to San Antonio, and that that sets up perfectly, doesn't it? I don't know. I think I think the Spurs might. They they're saying that it was they didn't steal this game. They said they took it away from them. I think they could steal game two coming coming into this game if they can hit the shots that they were missing uh, last night, and if Duncan can continue and Parker can continue I I can see this this series over pretty, pretty much quicker than everyone thought well, and yeah, that's I a very unfortunate I, I think the Spurs in game one sort of worked pretty tirelessly to make it make LeBron James take a lot of jumpers and yep. yeah for, he, fair enough he's improved his game with regards to jumpers but he's one for five from three point range and when they were doing that if he didn't feel like he was comfortable enough in taking the shot, he'd pass the ball to other teammates. And some of his other teammates aren't nearly as capable as the Broncos. The guy's the best player on the planet. There's, there's no, well, you can question someone like Kevin Durant, but there's no, there's no doubt in my mind right now that he's the best player on the planet, and he should be taking that shot. Don't go and chuck it up to, I don't know, Mike Miller or someone. Just have faith in your ability to, to create and you know to score that bucket. You're right, and I think. I think all, li- all, all eyes will be on game two because it's such a pivotal game. You go one all, series is back. You really, you'd have to say in Miami's hand with the last two at home. But then if, it, if yeah. it's two nil, then the Spurs, they've got three at home. They've got, they only win two of them to close out the championship. So game two is the real key and um, be sure to watch it. And if, if you don't, I'm sure we'll get a match review up on the blog, hopefully, by one of our team of writers. And just, just um, Everyone's game is to win a road game. Yeah. It's as simple as it's just you win that road game, it changes your whole mindset completely. But, and um, I think we've got a few questions to uh, get onto, and a lot. We'll, this, we'll make this the last segment of the show. We're going to talk a bit about video games. This is Steve Kerr with an exclusive on NBA 2K14. For privacy, my guest's identity will be concealed. Why have you come forward? 
I just had to. I've been watching them push the boundaries for years. They are a powerhouse, no doubt. But what are they hiding? They're doing big things this year. That's why I'm here, to do something about it. Like what, stop them? No. I'm going to join them. Matt, I believe you have a few tweets that we've been sent in. Yeah, we have one of the guys, or oh, I don't know, it could have been both the guys. Who knows with the, with the undersized basketball guys, but um, they, they put um question for the podcast. LeBron James, first ever video game cover with NBA 2K14. Um, what is our favourite basketball video game and favourite cover? Um, Pretty difficult one, I'll, considering there's been tons. I'll quickly <laughs> say about the LeBron James thing. I think this is just kind of showing us that when um, po- post decision, it was it was quite cool to hate LeBron, and LeBron was kind of yeah. public enemy number one. I think that's completely shifted now. I think that's the, it's almost the other way, and uh, that's why he's on the front cover of the video game. And to answer you, he's the he's the Kobe. Yeah. People watch him nowadays. <laughs> to, to, to answer your question, I'll go for uh, NBA. I think it's called Two K Sports. I think that was it, or ESPN Two K Sports or something. Yeah. And Allen Iverson on the front yeah. cover. Going for that. That was my first yeah. basketball game. That, that was an amazing game. Yeah, I fully agree with that. It's not it's not my favourite, but I, I do remember I bought that off eBay for something ridiculous like £5. And yeah, that was a quality game. You could dunk on anyone. The, it was the easiest thing. It was the easiest thing to dunk on anyone ever. Uh, just to quite quickly ask you, which one was it? Was it the one where he's actually in the jersey playing or is it one where he's doing the prayer sign? I think it's the, it was the prayer <laughs> sign. Yeah, that is an absolutely quality one. Uh, my favourite game, I don't really want to... Uh, it's not the best gameplay in that, but I remember just playing it absolutely out of its mind. It was NBA Live. I don't know if it, it might be 96 or 97. Oh, I'm not sure. Are, it was, it, well, I'm not, but it was on, the, it was on, <laughs> it was on, it was on PlayStation 1, and what? they didn't have the licence to have Michael Jordan. He wasn't even in the starting lineup for the Bulls. But you could, I vaguely remember But that. you could bring him on as a sub, and the commentator didn't call him Michael Jordan, obviously, because they didn't have the license, but he got caught player number 23. <laughs> what are you, Matt? Oh, I, I don't know. There's been so many. Um, NBA Street probably comes to mind. Huge amount of fun. Uh, I never played the original NBA Jam, because I'm too young, but uh, the remakes of NBA Jam quite recently have been pretty good. I think it's called On Fire Edition from 2011. Awesome game. Why don't you... Um... Um, ask Andy about the original NBA Jam. I'm sure he was <laughs> Big biggest uh, biggest one for me, probably because when I really got into basketball video games was 2K9 with Kevin Garnett on the front cover. I absolutely adored that game. I'd never really been hugely into basketball games before. I'd played live and things like that, but I'd no, I hadn't touched the 2K series. And anyone who knows me knows I like playing sports games really quite a lot. Yeah, really. and, um, yeah. That was my first experience of a 2K sports game, and I was just blown away by it. And they've just impressed me ever since. 2K10 is probably the best basketball game in the past sort of 15 years. Mm, I like that one. The, the gameplay on that game was just, brilliant, wasn't it? Just an incredible game. Um, the last three have been really good. This year's is, is pretty top notch. The, the presentation style, the values that they bring to it is, is really interesting. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see because we had another question as well from Simon Leggett, and he asked us about. EA, because obviously Electronic Arts were at the uh, Xbox unveil the other day, which I know quite a few people probably listen to this probably saw, because basketball and video games sort of walking in hand in hand at the moment. And um, he asked, what do we think about EA's chances of regaining their crown, so to speak, 
because obviously 2K has just been so dominant for the last few years, mainly because EA have just given up making a mm. game. <laughs> I mean, I just think, uh, I don't want to take too much from the trailer, but I'm going to take too much from the trailer. It looked poor. <laughs> it looked really, really cartoony and poor. and It looked fake. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sorry, the they're going to have to do something really good to get it away from 2K. They don't even have the right shooting animations. The, the ball doesn't go in the net right. I, uh, Sorry, but EA, you might as well cut your losses. Just stop. Yeah. If they're going to do, do something, as you said, they're going to have to do something completely different because 2K's got 100% of the market share, surely. So I don't understand, yeah, as you said, why they're making it. Uh, just to go on, it was NBA Live 98. I've got the cover up. It's got uh, Tim Hardaway on the front. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'll tweet that. <laughs> um, and um, there's, there's so many great ones, though, just to... Just to clap, just to fight, find it off quickly. But there are so many great ones. I mean, two K one on the Dreamcast. I, I was on the few people who bought a Dreamcast. I had it as well, actually. That that was freaking awesome. Any of the NBA Street games. I mean, I there was like four of them, three of them in the end. That they're all awesome fun. But looking on to two K fourteen, because obviously the reason this question's come about is because last night the uh, cover athlete was announced, and it is LeBron James. Surprise, surprise. Did you guys see the trailer? Because they put they had the trailer sort of cut in between the, the the adverts on ESPN's coverage and it was a bit weird because it was out of sync with the actual timing because mm. people were tweeting about it before it actually happened. I didn't I didn't actually see it, I'll be honest. Um I don't wanna I don't wanna say something but I I I haven't seen that. <laughs> well they had LeBron James sitting in the shadows talking, oh, and Steve yeah. Kerr, Steve Kerr was talking to him was like, What do you think you could bring to the best basketball game available and stuff? And LeBron was like, oh, I'll bring my tenacity and my defence and my heart and you know, crap like that. Like, it's like 40 seconds long or something. I'm sure I'll splice it in at some point. And um, it was so obvious it was LeBron James. It wasn't even funny. They just they tried to cover up his voice, but you could tell it was him from his head size, for God's sake. So <laughs> when he on. came out of the shadows, <laughs> yeah, from when, <laughs> when he moved out of the shadows, it was like, oh, it's LeBron James. What a surprise. <laughs> but um, it, it's an interesting one. It's one of the first times they've done a pre-order pack thingy with a player. So it'll... Be interested, and it's actually releasing day on release with the new consoles, the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four. So it's amazing it's taken him this long to get on the front cover of the game. To be honest, it's incredible. To say he's, he's the most the famous, most famous, yeah, but even before that, he was the most famous player. That well, one of the most famous players, uh, easily the most bankable star. That if they put him on the cover, more people are going to yeah. recognize him and buy the game. It's just crazy that it's taken them what 10, 11 years to put him on I the think... front. They could have put him on the front cover of when he was a rookie, and people would have bought it. I think maybe because I don't, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you, but just to, just to kind of maybe justify it, like if you look at the people that have been on the front cover in the last, say, five years, you're looking at Kobe, Garnett, all that lot. They're all big market players. And put, dude, dude, Blake Griffin was on last year's front. LA, LA is a big market though. Minnesota was <laughs> Minnesota was tiny. Or was Kevin Love on the front cover? No, when Garnett was. No, he was in the Celtics uniform. Oh, I was thinking of uh, NBA Live, like, 2007 oh, not, or something. Oh, uh, I was thinking before that. I yeah. say, I'm not that uh, old. <laughs> but just, just, answering, just answering the basketball guys, uh, the undersized basketball guys question again. Uh, front, favourite front cover for me, I think it was NBA Live 2004-05, Dwayne Wade on the front cover. Oh. That looked slick as hell. I'm going to agree with, um, probably, hopefully, with Frankie, that AI cover that he mentioned yeah. earlier with when he's uh, pray, doing the praying sign. Was my yeah, I had that, game. That, that was really what kind of got me into what suck ups. <laughs> oh, you've got going answer, man. I didn't even choose Kobe. <laughs> the answer revolutionised the game. We don't want no Afro man. He's probably not even a top ten player of all time. But that's 
<laughs> that's a debate for another time. I called that is I called nice. someone <laughs> last night with a tweet I sent out about Kobe maybe not being in the top ten of all time. Um Jesus, were you attempting to get two thousand followers in five seconds or something? No, well, I got an un- he probably got two thousand unfollows. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that seems like a good place to round off the show. Yeah. Unfollowing friends. <laughs> um <laughs> As always, check out the blog, doubleclutchpodcast.wordpress.com. Follow us on Twitter, at doubleclutch3. If you're going to tweet about the games, which I hopefully you will be, tweet with hashtag NBA in the UK. If you, and, and hashtag NBA Finals DC. There we go. And that one, it, if your tweets are short, because most of the time, mine, I have to, I have, to no, I have no hashtag. I go one or the other, because you can... If you're talking about a final-specific thing, then use the finals tweet, because we'll mention it on the show. I'm just going to click it now and see if anyone did use it, apart from me. <laughs> and um, uh, if you want to follow... No, it's just me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> if you want to follow Matt Bates, do so at... At Bates1991. And if you want to follow Matt, you do it at... Matt Smashed. And watch out tomorrow for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers state of the franchise. I think we might have it up on Sunday or Saturday. We're, we're not sure... If you're really lucky, and I edit it quick enough. Yeah, depends how many how many uh, Bynum swear words there are. I might want to do a fancy job like I did in the Lakers. Yeah, mate, it, it depends how nice you're feeling. Uh, and um, review us on iTunes, people. We yeah, like iTunes. We do, and five star reviews they really help us out. And I mean, I know TBJ, obviously the biggest podcast, hit a thousand, but they started similar to us, similar to everyone else. So if the first few iTunes reviews really help us help us out, guys, and we'll do the same and. We'll do the same for the other podcast one day. and Let's all just look forward to the finals and hope we see another entertaining game. We'll be back to review it hopefully on uh, Monday. I'm certainly free on Monday, so we'll get a show out on Monday. And um, thanks for watching. And remember, NBA in the UK. And uh, bye-bye. Bye. When you're down on the ground, what's going through your mind? Try to give a shout-up. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was going down, and uh, I was just trying to stay composed and give a shout-up. Your defense, from a team standpoint, in the fourth quarter, what was so significant about your ability to contain this team? Well, you know, obviously LeBron is unbelievable. Dwayne Wade was playing great. We just try to contain them and try to pack the paint and make sure they take jump shots. Congratulations. All right, thank you.